Hey, hey, everyone. This is the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. I find it really funny that the name of my podcast is the Charisma Quotient, yet I have never dedicated a single episode and really talking about charisma and why it's the crust of my practice, the main formula of what I teach to create attraction and finding love. So here's the thing. A lot of people will say, oh, you know, you either got it or you don't when it's, you know, talking about charisma. But when it comes to charisma, you don't have to have it. You can learn it. In fact, research says that people are not born with charisma. I find that fascinating. And they and people actually acquire it through knowledge and practice. And that's why I love it, because that provides hope to people, knowing that you can learn it and I can teach it. And really at any age, I've seen this, you know, from age 18 all the way up to 85. And the way I've defined charisma, it's really a magnetism that draws others to you. And when you do, you become more influential, persuasive, inspiring, and yes, more attractive. So you radiate energy and that charisma will definitely give you more confidence overall. And you know, that's the number one thing that people look for when it comes to attraction is that confidence. So for me, charisma and confidence goes hand in hand. And I explain it, I, you know, when I coach people, I teach that there's three secret ingredients that go into charisma. The first being style intelligence. You know, this includes your clothes, your body language, your presentation, your sex appeal, all the things on the outside. And you know I like to start from the outside in, so it's the first thing I work on. Then I go inward, and the second ingredient is emotional intelligence. This is how you express yourself and you manage your feelings, how you set boundaries, how you show up in a vulnerable way and be authentic. Really, really important. And finally, the third ingredient is social intelligence. This is interpersonal relationships, how you communicate, your storytelling techniques, and of course, flirting. So my clients know this, and when they work on these three areas, something really magical happens. And friends and family of my clients really start noticing the difference in their energy. And I've asked my client, you know, they've asked, and I'm not kidding, they've asked my clients if, you know, have you lost weight or did you get a facial or something? There's something I can't really put my finger on, but you, you just seem different. And when that happens... I always put a big smile on my face when I hear that on the other line. And I say, I know exactly what it is. It's called the charisma glow. And when my clients get to that point, I know they are on their way. You know, in the end, it's really their sense of self-worth that comes from within. Irresistible and charismatic people aren't constantly searching for that validation. It's because they're confident enough to find it in themselves. And there's certain habits they pursue every single day. And that's what I teach to maintain this healthy perspective. I recently was working with this client and she described the phenomenon perfectly. Before we were working together, she was in a total love rut. 
I know this is going to sound familiar. She felt a complete dating fatigue. She didn't feel attractive and was convinced that there were no good men out there to date. But the truth was she didn't feel good about herself. And she walked around in these black clothes with blinders on. She didn't see men in the grocery store because guess what? She wasn't looking for them. She attracted unhealthy relationships because guess what? She didn't express her needs. And she didn't meet men at social events because guess what? Her body language was closed off and wore the resting bitch face most of the time. And you know, the funny thing is she didn't even know she was wearing that until I saw her when we did our wing girl session. So through our work together, I taught her these fundamental skills that I'm talking about needed to create the charisma, her style, her body language, how she expressed her feelings, finding her voice and flirting. And in the end, she was dating up a storm. She was attracting men everywhere she went. And it was almost like a magic potion for her. And her friends were asking her, you know, what happened to you? Like, you're so different. Did you get a facial? Like, <laughs> she couldn't believe it. And she became the, like, leading wing gal in her friend group, where before she was this kind of shy girl. And that was the magic when she got this charisma glow that I'm talking about, and she learned it from the charisma quotient. So to talk more about this, I really think this is going to be a great episode. I want to bring another expert on today who has a more scientific approach, I'll say, of charisma so that we can break down the fundamentals and inspire you to create this for yourself. She is a speaker, storyteller, and body language expert, and she helps speakers and experts increase their influence and impact through the art of hypnotic body language and the neuroscience of storytelling. She is on a mission to help experts share their signature story and express their life purpose with passion, presence, and power. As a former modeling and acting coach for over 15 years, she imparts experts with proven charisma skills, storytelling techniques, and uncovers hidden talents tapping into their signature star power on stage. She is my kind of girl. And she is the CEO and founder of the Dynamic Dream Life Group Incorporated. She holds multiple certifications in mindset and physicality specialties such as neuro-linguistic programming, which I love and I incorporate as well, hypnosis, and hypnotic presentation skills. I'm fascinated by that. And other long words that sound really cool. <laughs> Welcome, Holly Mignosi. Are you there? I am here. Thank you, Kim. It's such an honor and privilege to be here with one of my charisma sisters. I charisma, <laughs> and we're both blonde charisma gals. Oh, it's so funny because you and I met at the New Media Summit, of course, with mm -hmm. Steve Osher. And before I even, this, I don't think I told you this, before I even knew what you did, you, I, I looked at you, I'm like, gosh that girl has charisma. I, I swear Aww. to God, I just thought that to myself. And I am going to be so bold to say that you might be like the one and only person that I've met that maybe was born with charisma. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh my no, gosh. No, you haven't always yeah. had it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is the hugest compliment. You just made my, my day, my week, my year. Okay. I'm going to put that on a sticky note and put it on my mirror and say, Kim said I was born I said. with it. <laughs> Because <laughs> what I say goes. No, I'm, I'm serious though. Like you really, 
like you walk the talk, you really exude that. And I feel like that's why you and I just completely clicked right away. Mm. Um, but obviously no one is born with charisma mm. as we both know, but I, I wondered what your story is. Like, were you ever not charismatic and like, how did you get here? Oh my gosh. So not charismatic. I, as a, as a young child, I was introverted, shy, quiet. Oh yes. I'm actually still an introvert who happens to just really like talking to people, but uh, I'm absolutely an introvert. Yep, I am. And when I was young, I would, you know, my nickname was Holly Dolly because my parents (laughs) said I would literally sit in a corner by myself and I just look like a doll sitting there completely content playing with, you know, something random, a block, a toy, a doll, whatever. Uh, but very introverted, yes. And, and it's such a compliment to, to hear you say that. But really, I think for the benefit of everybody else, it's really important to let you know that it is something that I practiced, mm. that I worked on, and that I call it the it factor, that working in the modeling and acting industry, it's something that I would teach. It's something that is learnable. And even if you have a certain amount of it already, you it's like a dial. You can turn it up and you can turn it down if you know what it is that people are attracted to. And so I'd love to kind of break that down for everyone today, um, you know, when when it's appropriate. Yeah. But as far as my story goes, you know, I was a mess really (laughs) in the modeling and acting industry. You, you, you have to look her up because she is drop dead gorgeous. And, you know, and this is the thing, Holly, like, this is really good for everyone to hear because I think we all are our own worst enemies every single time, right? Like we're harder on ourselves and others are of us. And, you know, hearing you talk, I think it'll give people also confidence of how you overcame that because that Mm. to hear you were a hot mess is really like almost shocking. Mm, mm, yeah, I absolutely. I was a hot mess for a long time and really hit it for a good 10 to 15 years. And mm. when I'm saying that, what I mean is I started in the modeling and acting industry in my teens. And by the time I was 21, I was feeling really great. I was confident. I was modeling and acting. I was emceeing fashion shows. I was in the fashion shows. I was doing TV commercials. And then at night, I was helping aspiring models and actors. I love teaching. I love boosting people up. I love inspiring women of all ages to be their best self. And so I was really living my dream life, making great money until my boss told me publicly in front of my peers that I was fat and Mm. that I needed to lose weight or I was fired. And and let me tell you, I, I was... I'm 5'8", and I was a size 4. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. So at that moment, I felt publicly humiliated. And body shaming was not something that was a thing back then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just thought I'm the bad apple of the bunch. All of my other modeling and acting peers and coworkers are perfect, and I'm not. And I decided in that moment, like many of us, when we go through a painful period, we decide I will never let that happen to me again. And so I did anything I could to drop weight. Now, there wasn't a whole lot more to drop. I mean, God mm-hmm. kind of just made me kind of curvy. That's just, that's just how I came out. But I tried everything, pills, powders, shakes, anything on the market I could get my hands on that said, you will lose weight. And nothing worked because I was already ideal as I was. And so I just kept searching and it wasn't until somebody gave me a little bag of white powder and it was cocaine. And she oh, said, wow. try this. And I did it. 
And within two weeks, I dropped the, I needed four inches off my hips, by the way. That's what I needed to fit into the industry standard. And the inches came off. And before I knew it, I was getting compliments as I walked down the hall. I was, you know, working my new sleek physique and my boss was giving me accolades. I got a raise. I got promoted. And on the outside, everything looked like I had it all together. But on the inside, I had headaches, heart palpitations, sleepless nights. I mean, I knew I was a fraud. I knew if I quit, the weight would come back. And yet I, it was really hard to look at myself in the mirror, even though physically I might've liked what I saw emotionally, I knew I, I was not being the best me. And so let me just say this really quick. My boss was not the villain and neither was the industry. I know for sure that it was myself, my mm -hmm. own need to be perfect and sacrificing self-love for the approval of others. That was the villain in my story. Wow. It's really powerful. And I think, you know, everyone has a story yeah. that, you know, I always say that adversity that you went through, obviously in some essence was a gift, you know, in disguise. And it wasn't until, you know, you got through it and now here you are teaching, you know, charisma and that it factor, as you call it, when you, you know, for the longest time didn't feel like the it, you no. know, factor. And so absolutely. How did, okay, so, I mean, that was an interesting journey, but how, how did then charisma play into all of this and how did you overcome some of this like internal struggle? Mm. Well, I used off and on for 10 years. I would quit and pick it back up and quit and uh, pick it back up. And, you know, in the industry, it's really fake it till you make it. And so mm -hmm. it's just kind of in the air, so to speak. You learn how to turn on confidence. You learn how to pull up your posture. You, it's just all around you. And the industry is very, um, it's very harsh, I guess you could say. People are a lot, a lot of criticism. You know, you'll hear lots of things when you go to an audition. You're too tall. You're too skinny. You're too fat. You're too blonde. You're too dark. You're too whatever. And so you just, you get emotionally a little hurt and you suck it up and you just keep turning it on and turning it on is that it factor where you walk in the room and within 30 seconds people look at you and go oh she's got it all together regardless of what's happening inside mm -hmm. and so it was a muscle i guess you could say that i just kept exercising yes and it really wasn't until things got dangerous when I walked into my bedroom and found my three-year-old holding my drugs that I thought, you know what, I need to quit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what happened. So I was able to quit while uh, I was pregnant and when she was very little, but after a few years, there were some problems in the marriage and that old frenemy, I call it kind of came back and I picked it back up again. And one day I walked into my bedroom and there she was sitting on the floor in her little pink tutu holding my drugs in her hands. And I rushed to her. I saw that, okay, I got there in time. She didn't ingest anything. And I removed the drugs from her hands. And then I knew in that exact moment, I need to change my life. I needed mm -hmm. to do three things. I needed to quit drugs, quit my marriage, and I needed to quit the industry and find some other form of work because once I quit, I knew I'd gain weight. And so I started exercising again and I hired a personal trainer. And for the first time, that trainer gave me compliments for being strong, not skinny. I mean, you talk about working from the outside in, right? you know, it all goes hand in hand. It really does. And within four months of working together, we actually opened a fitness studio together. 
within four months. Yeah, I quit all of that and we opened Beyond Fitness Personal Training. And I went into health and fitness and really started working with women from the outside in and the inside out. Wow. That's, it's a beautiful story. Uh, you know, I, I wonder too, you know, cause you didn't really hit much uh, about your love life. I don't know how much you want to talk about it, but I, obviously there were some issues, right? Like in my story too, you know, I relate to it, but um, did you find that there was a difference between like who you attracted when you were not congruent with yourself, like when you mm. weren't your authentic self and you were kind of like more in that fake it mode versus when you finally used the stuff to go inward and then, you know, became more vulnerable and, and charismatic, but in a way that was, you know, really authentic. Did you think, do you feel like you attracted different people? Absolutely. Absolutely. What would happen is dating wasn't a problem for me because I kind of had that initial good first impression, yes. but my self-esteem still wasn't where it needed to be. So what mm -hmm. ended up happening, uh, and I've actually never told this story. Okay. This first time, very first time ever. All right. Everybody listen here, here on the Charisma <laughs> Quotient. Holly is, <laughs> this happens a lot, by the way. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. I met my dream man. Yeah. And couldn't hold on to him. And he was truly my dream man. He was at the time and still is famous, a multi-billionaire. Mm -hmm. If I said his name, everybody would know who he is. And he swept me off my feet. Our first date was uh, like pretty woman. It was a jet. It was a red carpet. We flew to Vegas. Uh, I mean, he was everything I wanted. But... I wasn't confident to fully be my true self, give my full self. And when he said, I love you, I didn't believe it. And I think in my own way, I put up barriers and I was afraid this is too good to be true. Could this really be happening? And I think I pushed him away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. This episode is really getting good, but I need to interrupt because I just thought of something. I want you to know there's plenty more where this came from in the show notes, but I have linked my free five-day challenge. It's called the Flirt Accelerator to the show notes. And this is normally a longer challenge, so I wanted to clarify. And I usually charge for this, but I have condensed it into the most actionable tips that are going to help you ramp up your sex appeal and feminine flair so that you can finally master the art of flirting without feeling awkward or looking desperate in an accelerated format. The Flirt Accelerator starts September 28th, so don't miss it. Sign up now while you're thinking of it. And remember, it's completely free, and I'll be using my decade of experience to coach you and help you feel more confident, shed that shyness that you might have, and be a magnet for your ideal partner. So don't miss out. Check those show notes and sign up for the challenge today. Now, back to the show, and I can't wait to see you inside the challenge. Yeah, because... Well, and I want to talk about, you were really good at the first impression stage, which I think charisma is so good for, but that's why I include, and I know you do too, the inside stuff too. Mm. I mean, even with the neuro-linguistic programming that you use, and I want to hear more about the hypnosis and how you mm -hmm. incorporate that too, but you know, 
there are three phases in dating and that's why I talk about all the time. I mean, the first one is the courting, you know, the first impression, it's the flirting, it's, that's where the, you can really shine with your charisma. The second phase is what I call pure da- dating. And that's where you're sustaining a relationship over time. You're not necessarily committed, but that's where the longevity comes in. Like, how do you sustain a relationship? And then the mm. third is a full-blown relationship where you're committed and it's like, you know, longer than a year. And I find that there's also different phases in the charisma factor, you know? Mm. And so I would love to hear just, you know, first of all, tips that you could give people, because I know you have this like five phases of storytelling and body language, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. how maybe like people can use that in the first stage. And then we can talk about like how to sustain it maybe. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things we can do is tap into what I call the four pillars of, of charisma. And mm-hmm. I love you have your three pillars too, which is so fascinating. I love that. And this might be like a deep dive kind of more maybe into the yeah. emotional EQ, you know, part, which is your second phase. So I outline the four pillars of charisma as the qualities that are most attractive to the general public. What do we think is on the top of our list? And these are essences that we can cultivate, that we can exercise, that we can practice, that we can use when interacting with anybody. And I highly recommend to practice these actually when there's a little bit less at risk. So let's say, for example, in the grocery store with the checkout person or someone, you know, that you're just meeting. So um, these are the four pillars of charisma. The first is curiosity. Curiosity is one of the things that makes us attractive because it allows us to ask questions to somebody else, you know, be interested in somebody else, allow us to go, hmm, I wonder about this, I wonder about that, and it allows us to be open. The second, which I know you talk about a lot, is playfulness. Mm -hmm. Being playful is so important, and it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be funny, But if we tap into that childlike quality, the flexibility, we're not so rigid, like, ooh, what if I played with like this? And what if I played like this? And, you know, and just kind of explore more of like an adventure. And the third is resilience, being resilient so you can get knocked down and you can step back up and you can take Mm -hmm. charge of you, your emotions, not necessarily other people, but just yourself, you're resilient. And then the fourth is being victorious. And being victorious means that you feel like you've won even before you started the race. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And these four things are really important because Mm -hmm. when we start going into storytelling, all of these four things get weaved through our story. Like when I was just sharing my story, you probably heard resilience Mm -hmm. and you probably heard being victorious. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was able to quit. I was able to change my life. So those elements are already there. And then we enter kind of interlace curiosity and playfulness. It's a recipe for success. And we're wired to listen to stories. You know, we've been teaching and sharing stories for over 150 years, 150,000 years um, as human beings. So we love a good story. It's really great. And I love how you break that down. And it's so simpatico with like, you know, that makes sense. I know, I love this. But actually, I have a story for you as you were talking, because it's on the tip of my mind. I was just um, coaching a, a guy actually this weekend. He's a young guy. And he is, you know, very analytical. He does like engineering and programming, right? And so 
for him, he learns and he operates in kind of an analytical way, right? Mm -hmm. A purpose and, you know, what's the equation, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing. And so I was, I was trying to teach him, you know, that thing about charisma and storytelling and really that purpose of interaction is to simply practice connecting. And it's funny, I use curiosity too, but I use the two C words. I say, when you meet people, just work on being curious and connecting. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't get it. He's like, but what's the, what's the purpose of that? You know? And so we had to kind of reframe it as a way of building a muscle. You know, the purpose of doing a crunch or, you know, maybe doing a bicep curl, you're not going to get that like great abs or that stellar bicep by doing one exercise, you know, but if you do a succession of exercises over time, you're going to get really good at it. And that, and that he could hear, but it was funny because, you know, and I want everyone to hear what you're saying, being charismatic, there isn't really a purpose for it other than that playfulness and being curious. And and that's what creates that magnetism that causes us to connect to others, right? And so the beautiful thing too, about what you were saying about the storytelling, and I think it relates to what you just said about the guy that you were dating, who was, Mm -hmm. you know, that guy that didn't get to that level of the deep depth is taps into the emotional intelligence. I love storytelling because when you incorporate emotions with the story, that's when people really feel you. And a lot of times people stay at the surface. So, you know, it's good to start at one level where you're working on some of these skills and just being connected, but then going deeper and really allowing more of that emotional stuff to happen. Uh, Absolutely. And I think it would be really powerful. I never really thought of this before, but just in relating to what you do, I think it'd be really powerful to even have a little tool bag of stories that you can share with someone Mm -hmm. that can highlight who you are as a person. And you can share even some of, I call it from going from pit to pinnacle in storytelling, when you're at your bottom, you're, you know, it's the hero's journey. It's this dark place and you don't know how to get out. And you're like, oh my gosh, I got to slay the dragon. How am I going to do this? But you're not sharing it from the place of victim. You're sharing it from the place of, I had this challenge. This is how I got out of it. This is what I learned. And now my life is a 180. And I think if you can share some of the things you've been through, again, not from victimhood, but from victory and sharing authentically, this is what I learned, you know, in, in life that's really helped me be the person I am today. In just one or two stories, I've had people book me for podcasts book me for stages, want to do affiliate marketing with me, want to do business with me. And literally in 15 minutes of a phone call, because I shared a story Mm -hmm. where I opened up and said, I'm trusting you. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is my mission in life. Let's see if we've got some overlap where we can support each other. And if you can do that, I think in dating, how powerful would that be? I remember my husband, oh my gosh, we, we were so attracted to each other. It was ridiculous, <laughs> which by the way, I married the trainer. Oh, I was going to ask you that. You know, I didn't want to pry, but I think oh, we please pry, please, please do. Yes, it wasn't long before our passion for health and fitness and our passion for helping others turned into a, a great passion for each other. Aww. He was tall, dark, handsome, very muscular, and it made it really hard for me to miss one of our training sessions. So, needless to say, I was a really good, <laughs> I was a really good client. But in the beginning, when we were dating, he kept everything really surface, and it wasn't until I said 
I don't, and he's super funny. He's attractive, funny, charismatic, mm-hmm. loving, giving, all that. But I thought, I don't really know anything deeper about you. And it wasn't until I kind of boldly asked, like, have, have you been through anything challenging in your life? And this is even before I really knew about storytelling. And he said, well, I could tell you a little bit about my childhood. And I was like, oh, what, what's that like? And he said, well, uh, my mom and dad were drug addicts and I only knew them until I was four years old. And then I was put into foster care. And I'm like, oh, and he said, yeah. And, it, you know, eventually my aunt adopted me and uh, I haven't seen my dad since he, I was four. And I was like, wow. And so he kind of told me all that he'd been through and how his aunt adopted him. And then eventually he got reunited with his real mom. And so he has two moms, his mom and his aunt, and how he turned his life around. It wasn't until he really told me that story that he really opened up his heart to me and I could really fully see him for all of who he was. That's such a beautiful example of what vulnerability is because a lot of times, you know, I'll talk to clients and like, well, you know, I don't want to like say too much or, you know, TMI, you know, they think that it's just pouring everything out, you know, too much, too soon, too fast. And I mean, you know, the place where you guys were at, you were at the point where you could share something deeper like that. But even through storytelling on first dates, you can share a glimpse. And like you said, coming from a place of victory, not victim, yes. where it's, it's like a heroic story, a, a story of passion that yes. really like makes people feel you more. And yes. that is what's so, so important. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll do a storytelling. I'm sure you do this too, but I do a storytelling game with people where I I give them a subject and they have to tell a story based on that subject. And I can't tell you how many times I'd say 90% of the people don't incorporate emotions in that story. You know, they'll Mm. tell it on a surface level. And it's a really powerful thing to see how people even communicate their story. So, you know, but you're right. Like when you do that and you have the story, that is a great way of practicing the vulnerability and it does allow people to get closer. Okay. Let's talk about body language because I know. And that's also something you're really special in. And you have something with the hands, like what's all that about? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. As a matter of fact, actually research and science shows that the more we can use natural and kind of uh, specific hand gestures, we're more captivating people trust us and they want to engage with us. And that's because our hands are our trust indicators. And it goes back to, if you can imagine the caveman days, we're foraging in the forest for food. We see another caveman. And the first thing that goes off in our reptilian brain is, are you friend or foe? Mm -hmm. And we know by looking at the hands, do they have a weapon or no weapon? So our hands are our trust indicators. And actually there was a research done on TEDx talks And they found that the TEDx talks that rated the highest have as many as 465 hand gestures. Wow. Mm -hmm. And the ones that rated the lowest have half that. I think the number is 227. That's really interesting. It is. And and like noticing all the leaders in the world and our past presidents, they always have hand gestures. Absolutely. It makes us, our communication more authentic. Mm -hmm. And and of course, some people have heard your body language is, you know, 70%. And I would say even more of communication. How do we know this? Well, look at a mime. 
Yeah. A mime can completely tell a story, interact with you without saying a word. So it could be said that it could be as much as 100%. Even with babies, that's their first language is feeling emotion and then using hands. And so, yes, hand gestures are really important. And there is some do's and don'ts. So the first is imagine that you have a little box around you and the top of the box is above your shoulders. The sides of the box is about, if you had your hands stretched all the way out, bring them in about a foot. And then the bottom of the box is about where your hips are. You want to keep your hand gestures approximately inside the box. And occasion you can go out, mm. but that way you don't seem erratic. That way you don't seem like you're flailing all over the place. You want to keep your hand gestures kind of inside that box. And ideally, you'll want to show the palms of your hands at some point. And usually in like a business meeting, You'll want to keep your hands on top of the table so that it doesn't look like you have something underneath the table. We unconsciously think, is that a pen? What are they holding? What are they doing? So that also means keep your hands out of your pockets. Okay, but I do want to, (laughs) I'm laughing because I do want to just chime in here. Yes. When it comes to dating, ladies, do not put the elbows on the table and have these quick gestures, you know, like you're at a board meeting because mm-hmm. what applies in business does not necessarily apply on dates. Cause I had a woman that I was working with, she had really masculine energy and she kept doing that and she looked like a man at a boardroom. Mm. And so actually femininity and masculinity can also, I, I think, you know, you can kind of see how people flow with their hands with that too. Don't you think? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. A woman can be softer and smoother as if she's, um, kind of caressing the wind sort of back and forth and a man might as to his hand gestures might be a little stronger, a little yes. choppy. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I love that. And I know you have a special gift at the end that will you'll share about all that stuff because that's really that's that's fascinating. And what I like again, it goes back to these are tangible things that you can do right away that will make a huge difference in the way that you present you know, and the way people see you from the body language to the storytelling. Um, I, you know, I thought, God, I looked at the time. I'm like, Oh my God, we could go on and on and forever. <laughs> we'll have to do a part two. <laughs> but part two. Yes, for sure. Um, but I would love to hear just maybe you want to touch upon the hypnotic part of things and then maybe just some parting words of wisdom and wrap up there. Mm, absolutely. So hypnotic presentation, let's, let's say for women, right? Cause this is an audience that we're speaking to Yeah, for women a lot of your hypnotic physical presentation comes down to how you move as a woman. So what is hypnotic? Hypnotic means, in my definition, that someone can't take their eyes off you, mm. right? You, they are entranced. And trance is an actual state that occurs in the brain that really just means a narrowing of focus. Everything else is blocked out. So when you think hypnotic, just think of it like that. Everything else is blocked out and someone, you just have their complete attention. So what are the things that makes a woman very attractive to another person is when she's in a state of bliss and she's in a state of joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is true almost for anyone, even a so child. True. Yes. They can hold our attention when they're so in joy. So how do you move? 
how do you move your hips? How do you move your body? How do you, how is your chest, your arms, your shoulders when you are in joy, when you are in happiness, when you are playful, and then tapping into the four pillars of charisma, when you're feeling curious, when you're feeling resilient and victorious. And I know you tap into this a lot. Shoulders are back, arms are open. Mm -hmm. There's a little sachet in the hips that are kind of moving, you know, with a little swag side to side. The hips and don't lie. That's right. That's right. It's hypnotic. <laughs> Shakira knows this, yeah. That's right. So the first tip is turn yourself on. Mm -hmm. Turn on from the inside. And remember a time when you felt really good. Remember a time when you felt whatever the elements are that you want to project, sexy, confident, playful, resilient, attractive. And here's one of my big tips. You can create an, an identity by design. You can choose to step into someone that you want to be more like. So it, you can also think of it as an alter ego. Marilyn Monroe did this. We know this. She actually yeah. was on the team. She created a Marilyn Monroe um, essence and turned it on and off. And so many actors, so this is kind of pulling from my modeling and acting background, who I was on stage is not who I am in real life, not at all. It's a character that I create, that her shoulders are back, her chin is held high, she sashays through, she does a little pivot, a little half turn, winks at the audience and keeps on going. So you can practice these things by stepping into someone that you, I really idealize. And I practiced that actually in one of the workshops that I was in. And I practiced coming into the room as myself, but I didn't tell anybody who I was. Then I practiced coming in as Marilyn Monroe, but didn't tell anybody who I was. Mm -hmm. Then I practiced coming in as Beyonce. And actually it was a little combination of Beyonce, Marilyn, and Mother Teresa. Oh, that's an interesting combo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like it. And I didn't tell anybody who I was. And I felt that the Beyonce, Marilyn, Mother Teresa was a bit over the top. It didn't feel comfortable to me. And so when I got the feedback from everyone, the one they liked the most was Marilyn Monroe, Beyonce, Mother Teresa. And the mm -hmm. thing that's so important to remember about this is it didn't feel like me because I wasn't used to doing it. It didn't yes. feel familiar. But the combination was something that really had a high vibrance, high energy, a high connectivity, and it was from the heart, from the soul, and very entertaining, I guess, is what the, the feedback I got from everybody else. I love it. I love it. And it's like, I always say everybody has their own techniques and you have to channel like the inner goddess, you know, mm -hmm. the inner celebrity, whoever you find sexy and, and become it, but make it your own because, you know, to your point, you'll, you'll be awkward if you feel awkward <laughs> and the more you practice it and the more you kind of come into it, you know, the, the more you will become it. And I see this over and over again. So that that's awesome. I think everybody needs to practice this after they listen to this. Like that's a homework assignment I'm giving everybody. I love it. And you can practice it in the grocery store. Like yes. you don't have to sit everywhere. You don't have yes. to wait for a date. Like do it all the time. Do it in the grocery store. Do it, you know, when you're shopping or just, you know, pumping gas. I mean, it doesn't matter anytime. Totally. Yeah. Act, act as if and you will become. I love it. Well, I want you to let everybody know where to find you. And I know you have that cool guide. So let everybody know. 
Ah, thank you so much, Kim. If you would like to connect with me, I would love to connect with you, hear your story, and to help you shine on stage and step into your signature star power. You can do that by connecting with me in my Facebook group, which is Shine On Stage on Facebook, Shine On Stage. And if you would like to know more about hand gestures and how you can use your hand gestures for charisma, mating, relating, and dating for fun and profit, I would love for you to go to Holly Mignosi dot com forward slash hot 15. So let me spell that. That's H-O-L-L-E-Y Minyozi, M-I-G-N-O-S-I dot com forward slash hot 15. And you will also get five hand gestures to never use when you're on stage or you want to connect and relate to others. I love it. Holly, thank you so much. This was super fun. And I know you're so busy, so I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was absolutely so much fun. And I, I ha- can I just tell you that when I was making my list for the year yeah, of the top podcasts that I wanted to be on, not only were you my top 10, but you were my number one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's, been a truly, it's truly been an honor. It really has. Yes. Oh, so Holly. Well, I here. feel the same. And that's so special. Well, so you manifested it. And that's just like with dating or whatever it is that you want in life, you know, like when you, you know, put that energy out there, you will get it back. So here we are. Mm-hmm. And thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. <clears throat> and remember, you can build confidence, make connections and find love from the outside in and make sure you go to my site, KimmySeltzer.com. And if you keep asking yourself why you are still single and feeling powerless about your love life, there are three things you can do to empower yourself. And ladies, I have something similar for you. Obviously there's my free breakthrough calls that I always offer. I have my free Facebook group that you can get motivated and inspired by other women working on your love life. And of course I have that exclusive podcast audio course. This may be why you suck at dating, where I help you learn to get out of your head and into his bed. And this course can be listened to just like this podcast. So it's super easy. You can access it right here. So if you ever thought, I wish I knew what I was doing wrong after failed dating experiences. Check it out and hop on the phone with me. We'll map out a love plan so you can give a great first date. Remember, it all starts with you and working on yourself is working on your love life. See you soon. 